On this opening show for the Informed Performance Podcast, I've got Evie Casagrande. Evie is the Head of Strength and Conditioning for the Orlando Pride Ladies Professional Football Team, or soccer, depending on where you're from. In this conversation, Evie is really open about her strategies and methods for how she trains the players at Orlando Pride, and I hope you enjoy this first episode. Just want to say a big thank you to Tim Tam, a brand that makes vibration or percussion-based recovery products, who have really kindly sponsored the launch of this podcast. They are responsible for the Power Massager and more recently the Pulse Massager, and both are great examples of tools that you can use for soft tissue recovery, especially when you're on the road. If you'd like to get your hands on a free Power Massager, then we're actually running a competition with Tim Tam. All you have to do is subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and follow us on Instagram at InformPerformance. Send us a screenshot that you've subscribed to the DMs of the Informed Performance Instagram page. Then in a few weeks, we'll pick a subscriber at random to win the Tim Tam Massager. And in the meantime, check out Tim Tam's Instagram page at Tim Tam Recovery. So Evie, welcome and thank you for giving up your time coming on the show. Can you just outline what you do and also what your background is? Yes, thank, thank you so much for inviting me to this podcast. I'm really glad uh, to be here. And so I'm currently the strength conditioning coach for Orlando Pride, which is a professional women's soccer team here in Orlando uh, for the NWSL, which is the American League uh, professional league here. Um, I actually arrived here two months ago, so fairly new to the position. Um, before that, I was uh, director of sports performance for a youth athletic training facility in Michigan. Um, I was there for about a year and a half where I was pretty much creating programs, uh, testing for, for youth, youth athletes. So quite a different, a different role here, uh, at Orlando. A big change. And, and what does a typical week look like for you at the moment? So for us, we're, we started season a month ago in March. Um, so I arrived pretty much about a month in that they were in uh, preseason. So I arrived right at the last week of preseason. So right now we are um, already in, in season. So we have about one week, uh, one game a week. So on Saturday or Sunday we have a, we have a game. So a lot of away games, uh, not too many home games. Um, but... Normally on Monday, so pretty much Mondays, if, if we have a game on Sunday, we we'll normally have a day off on Monday. Um, and then training Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, sometimes Thursday, Friday, and then games games in the weekend. So um, so for me, with the, the this new role, is, this season I, th- I think is going to be pretty much kind of understanding the players, getting to know the players, getting to know everything in the league. Um, protocols and all that um, and kind of noting everything, putting everything down so next next season I'll be ready to go in terms of really implementing what I what I want to implement um, but uh, I'm, I'm already implementing small things that I've been seeing and I'm really big on the micro dose you know, getting really good quality stuff every day for you know, a, a small amount of time um, in the long term, that's going to create some good, some good improvements in the team. So, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm just pretty much getting to know the team and, and uh, trying to 
improve uh, overall performance. Sure. And is there other people in your department with you or are you the main coach? Yeah, so I, uh, we have myself as the, the head strength management coach for the Pride. Um, and then we have a, a one athletic trainer. Um, and then but with the performance side, that's, that's, that's me that kind of does all the strength, strength conditioning. Um, our assistant coach, um, he was a former, he's a former sports scientist. So he's, it's really good to have him around because we can really work together. Um, and uh, I learn a lot from him and we kind of get together and I, I get his perspective and he gets my, my perspective. So that, that really helps because it, the way we program the sessions is, it has his background and my background too. So it's, it's been really good to have him around. And is he on the kind of playing side, the technical side, or is he a strength conditioning coach as He's well? He's on the technical side. He's on the technical side. Okay. Uh, yeah. But with his, with his sports science background, it's always, we always have good conversations and kind of guide us to, to set up the sessions, you know, so it's, it's pretty good. That's a pretty refreshing understanding for your colleagues to have on, oh my gosh, on that yes. side of it. Yes. I'm, I'm pretty lucky with the, the coaching staff and our athletic training is great. Um, we have really good communication uh, between us. And, and I think the good thing, especially with the return to play, um, our athletic trainer and I have been working really well together when, when in determining what are the programs that each player needs to, to have once they are clear to play. Um, so that way I can really take care of that return return play uh, protocols after they're cleared. So we're, we really manage the, the loads and make sure they are progressive, progressing um, slowly um, for full return of play so we don't have any, you know, any re-injuries. And do you, do you and the AT have a, an assessment um, profile that you run the players through for you to determine how their GM programs look or um, are you given that from anybody else? Yeah, so, so pretty much, as I said right now, because I arrive a little later uh, in the process, so for me it's more what I can see in, in, in daily in terms of pretty much feedback from the players and um, I'm literally getting to know them every single day at different, different things that can, can really help them things that really help them out, some exercise that really don't make a difference for them. Um, and in terms of loads, like you have players that accept loads a little bit better than others. So, so that we put everything down when we meet every day and say, okay, what can we do to make those players better um, in the long term? So I actually just started um, I did a, a questionnaire that I sent to all our players. Uh, it's pretty much uh, to, to get to know them in terms of the, their mobility, their tightness, their soreness, which for me was a great, great form of uh, feedback. So I have all the forms in front of me and I can tie it up for the things that I see when I, they go to the gym, when they are doing mechanics, they're running mechanics and stuff. Um, so my idea is to create a more personalized program for all of them. Um, their own prehab programs specific for that player, so that that way they can take care of their bodies every day. They have their own their own way of um, 
access the, those programs and I can see if they get completed or not. So that way it's really going to um, affect them long term in terms of the movement quality because um, we've been seeing some little things that can really affect them uh, in terms of their their, their health, uh, their muscles and, and all soft tissue injuries that we can prevent just based on just getting some good quality um, movement exercise correctives um, to their daily routine. So that's something that we just started doing it um, and it's going to be, be implemented in the next few days and hopefully that's going to help them, you know, getting some tools in their, their toolbox uh, of things that they can really work on on their own. Because, I mean, they're just with us for the morning and then, you know, they they leave the club. So if we can kind of educate them on those little things and and I think they would they would be good, you know. And are they, is there a certain amount of training or um, kind of preparation that they do outside of training with you? Are they expected to do some stuff in their own time? Yeah, so the, pretty much it's uh, up to them uh, in terms of, if they want, um, I don't know, use me as a, a day off or use me to, I mean, I'm there all, all day. So I, I always tell them, you know, look for me, look for any 20 minutes extra after training that you need to get some quality movement stuff done, bungee work, and we can all, you know, um, get better at that. So they, they are, they're slowly are, are getting used to that. And they're being really proactive, and which is, is which is really good. And I think the biggest thing, um, and that's something that I've been noticing. Um, I've always I worked with professional before, but I was an intern, so I didn't get to spend too much in depth with 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 them. But stuff that we we think like when I came here, I I, I had the idea of oh, they're professionals, they know what they're doing. But you really. Um, once you're in, you really understand how, how much education they need, you know, and in terms of just some little things that they probably nobody told them before and that can help them in the long term. So they, it's been, been really good uh, to see how much they care about it and they come and they ask questions. And once they know the answers and once they, they, they keep asking questions and once they know why they're doing it, then their buy-in is like, it's amazing. So that's what, what kind of like my goal is uh, going forward, keep, keep educating them because I think that's the key. Um, when I was a player, I remember I, I wanted to get those answers, you know, like why am I doing this? And sometimes I, I was not given those answers and it's frustrating and you don't, you don't get too much to, to buy in if you don't know, if you don't have like a, a context. So so a lot of the things when I when I tell them is just really educating them. Say this is why you need big toe mobility. Why you need to spend some time barefoot every now and then. So they've been really they've been really open to all those things, which is it makes my job way easier. And were you able to um, implement those things quite quickly, or did it take you time to build up those relationships and get the trust from the players? It takes time. Yeah, it's, I mean it takes time because. You, they need to know who you are. They need to know to to see that you're you know what you're talking about. Um, so I didn't force anything because I know 
it's 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 one of those things that you kind of you talk to them and put that in their ears and then once they do it they remember I told them and they're like oh you know that that actually helped me out you know that helped me that exercise really made me feel a little bit better um, so they ask for more so that way it starts opening up uh, the relationships are they form and it's it's a process, you know, it's a process and you just got to be patient and you just got to, got to kind of take it slowly and, and, um, and allow them to, to trust you. Um, so I, I was, I made sure I, I took that, you know, slow because it's, it's, I don't know how many, uh, how many coaches they had through their life. So it's all that thing that like a bunch of coaches told me that, and now I don't know who who do I listen to. So it's literally what 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 makes them feel better. So maybe one thing that I I, I make them do like an exercise, maybe work on task, like really make work for them. But some of them, the other ones, like uh, I'm not sure about it. Just fine. That's that's the process of getting to know the players and and seeing you know who who really takes the the information in and uses it or. It's, uh, you know, so it's really, really a big, a long-term process. And for professional sport, you've got quite a modest setup in terms of um, at least a strength and conditioning department. Um, so I can see why having better player relations is is, uh, is key for that, to get them on side and then bought in. Um, are you able to kind of collect data and do athlete monitoring as well? Or is that overstretching your capabilities with your staffing numbers? No, no, I actually, um, so we do have GPS and, and heart rate, so I do do collect that and I monitor that um, live. Sometimes it's hard. Well, I do, I do, have, I'm lucky to have an intern with me. So she's, she's really good um, and she helps me out a lot um, when we're home. Uh, so sometimes I, I really need to get um, a return to play. And, and on the field so sometimes she she has the ipad if we we're going live she will have the ipad and help me out cutting the drills and making sure we have the times for the drills and, and stuff like that um i use her a lot for also helping me with videos i really like to record um, most of my sessions in terms of like the warm-ups the max speed progressions that i do with them because i think that um I like to analyze special slow motion videos to really make sure how their mechanics are. So the first week that I was here, I already recorded our max speed sessions and, and I noticed that they, they needed some improvement in, in different parts of their running mechanics. So I started a progression uh, every day we do, every week you do max speed. I have some different progressions that I do with them um, to make sure they they improve that form and it's been it's been really good and, and the, the video feedback is really good not only for me but also for them i show try to show them okay this is the first week that we did and i know that's boring to do those progressions though those ankling drills you know um but look at how much you guys improved and and they they notice you know and that and again that's the the good um some good feedback to get their buy-in again. They they see it, they see the improvements, and they want to. They, they still want to do it. 
want to continue to uh, to do that. So GPS, um, I always I always do the reports. I I'm pretty um, new to the the this this part, like with the sports science, like numbers wise. I've always been really big on movement and with my eyes and. I, the, I really like the subjective data, the RPEs. That's what I, I worked in the past because I didn't have the budget on uh, with the, the team that I worked in the past. Um, so I had to be creative on that. So my first really exposure to the data part of it was when I started working with the U.S. soccer um, youth national teams as a, a sports scientist. Um, because that's literally the first time that I they went in depth, and then kind of like I was, I started seeing some trends. What, 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 what am I looking for? What metrics am I looking for? So I have, um, I have been improving in that that part of my coaching, and I have amazing mentors that helped me through it uh, with the data. Um, so slowly but surely, I'm kind of. Uh, getting more comfortable knowing the players' loads that you know what what player has a bigger load but is able to to accept that load really well uh, compared to others, um, and then trying to see what we're looking for weekly in terms of high speed running exposures. Um, you know, then that way we periodize um, those kind of things. So. GPS data, I try to do. Uh, I try to do that, and then strength and the gym. We have two sessions a week normally. Um, one big session, one good session, and then a pre-game session, more like a power. It's a little bit to like prime the the nervous system. Um, so that's kind of my role within the club uh, as of right now. And do you have um, strict standards that you want the players to achieve with the metrics that you do record, like the GPS? Is there things that you're looking for them to hit before you allow them to uh, return to play after an injury? Yeah, so especially with the return to play, um, and again, that's for me as of right now, it's, I'm still getting used to the players, studying, getting used to their weekly loads and what am I looking for. Um, but for me, I work together with the AT in terms of, okay, so what normally they hit in the game, you know, and then we're kind of backwards from that and, and, and make sure they, we are, if they are returning to play, depending on the injury. So start working high speed running at, at lower percentages, linear, and then deceleration making sure they're able to decelerate without a problem and start you start implementing um, change of directions and more specific ball work as they progress. So I've, I've always worked, I've, I've worked a lot with uh, Ting Abbott's research in terms of acute chronic uh, ratio. I use uh, RPEs in the past. Um, so right now I'm getting used to the, using the same for high speed running and total distance. So the idea is I want to progress from week to week. I don't want to, um, huge spikes in loads more than 10% from week to week. And, you know, making sure, I think for me, I try to be, try try not to make it complex because especially with data. So I, I want to say, okay, 
So if I have the game load and I work backwards from there and from that and um, and prepare for the worst case scenario and making sure they get that exposure during the week and progressively uh, getting that exposure so they are ready for the worst case scenario, which is game situations, then we'll be fine. So we try to we try to be really cautious on, on, in terms of of the load, the high speed running, especially. Uh, with the return of play, I'm really big on the movement mechanics, making sure movement patterns and motor control is a big, for me, is one of the biggest things after return of play. Not even after, for return of play, but um, we see a lot of players that that struggle with motor control and slowing things down. And, you know, so that's kind of my focus on a lot of my warm-ups and in the gym sessions. I really slow them down, really picky with movement. So making sure they they don't they don't just go through the motions or they go too fast um i i've been trying to get them uh sometime barefoot in the gym because I've, I've just been seeing a lot of um a trend in the with the professional players that the lack of big toe mobility just stiffness on the ankles and hips so um we started implementing just doing some exercise barefoot and um, especially single leg exercises, um, getting split squat positions barefoot for big toe mobility. And they all know, understand that some of them lack that. So they asked me like, but why, why does it matter? Like we, we run with cleats. So why are we doing barefoot? So it's just getting them to understand, wow, you need your big toes for producing force and accelerating. So if you don't get the mobility, you're gonna find elsewhere that it's probably not supposed to do the job that uh, you want it to do. So you just start compensating. So well, again, once I educate them and 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 they know, it's way better. Like today, I we went to a gym and I don't know the majority of the players asked, well, "Can can we do? Can I take my shoes off?" And I'm like, "Yeah." So it's it's kind of like. It's good for me because I feel like they they're literally buying into what I'm what I'm trying to do, and they they're understanding that, that it has value. Um, so it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to see that. I'm going to come back to your um, you mentioned warm ups. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. Um, just on the same thread of talking about movement quality, um, I've actually noticed that there's a bit of a trend on some of the work you've showcased online talking about movement qualities. Could you just elaborate on kind of what key pieces you're looking at and, and kind of what it means to you, what you're, what you're looking into with these athletes? Yeah, so for me, it's, uh, I think because I worked so much with the youth in the past and that's the biggest thing that I've seen in the youth, especially in this generation, is the lack of, of motor control and the, you know, the neuromuscular coordination. Um, and once I... Started working, started working with uh, a little bit older athletes and professionals. I just realized that that's literally the same, the same case that I've been seeing. Is just, you know, you have players that are pretty athletic, you know, and um, but they they still. I always say athletes are masters of compensation. So like, it's crazy how much they they're able to do what they need to do, but some, sometimes not the most efficient way. Um, so the biggest thing for me, especially in warm-ups, is just, it's really easy to, to kind of go through, 
through the motions, especially in the warm-ups and those things that you do every day. So I try to be, you know, try not to, to, to be too much, like too boring with the warm-ups. So I, I always bring a fun component to it. I'm really big on the cognitive side too. So being able to train the athlete, the brain, uh, reactive, because I've been seeing like they they're they struggle a little bit with that, um, just decision making and how quick they can react. And if you think about it, this, the game of soccer that's all about decision making. How how quickly can you switch from you know uh, one movement to the other? You accelerate and you have to decelerate and change direction really fast. So how can they better use their bodies in an efficient way um, to make that happen? So in in a safer way too, because I see a lot of times when I did some slow motion videos, I could see that there are big compensations in terms of, you know, for max speed, just reaching through it, just going, reaching too much horizontal instead of cycling in more like a vertical position for max speed. So in my mind, it's like, okay, we need to hit those max speed runs every week, the high speed running, right? Because it's, it's such a big uh, thing that every club is doing now and, and uh, the, the research on the high speed running. So in my mind, is like, okay, if they need to hit above 90% of their max speed and they're doing it in not a good not good mechanics. So why are we really doing it just for doing it? Because you're, you're doing for hamstring health, you know, and make your hamstrings resilient. So you better have a good mechanics of max speed to, to achieve that. So that's kind of why I started doing those progressions on max speed day. So we really take the time to do ankling drills and we do, educating the athletes that you want your posture up vertical and then you cycle like that um so slowly they're they're getting better and better each each and every week um the same with prehab and warm-ups like everything that i do in warm-ups i want i'm picky and i i tell them like you don't want to go through the motions you want to do it really really well i always do some bungee work acceleration um crossover deceleration specifically for motor control and neuromuscular control because i think that's that's itself it's a injury prevention um being able to move their bodies faster change direction faster efficiently and brain connected to muscles i think that's the biggest thing for me so do your warm-ups um, have progressions throughout the season or you know do you have a strategy for the year about how you how you want them to change over time well, so I try to, um, so for example, in max speed, I try to, to get some acceleration mechanics with the bungees to kind of teach them how to create forces and, you know, get them to get a good rhythm um, in their position. Um, my, my cognitive uh, part of the warm-up always changes, uh, and it's funny because they 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 used to struggle in the beginning. I used to do just throw some math equations that they have to react to the, the, the specific result of the math equation and then color drills. So that I've been progressing that because they're getting better at it. Before it was just like I would do a drill they had to run to red, it would take them forever to run to, to the red cone or whatever. 
so now I'm I'm having to kind of be more creative because their their brains are 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 getting better and, and quicker on on kind of reacting to those kind of stimulus. Um, but again, I always try to make it really fun for them. So I'm like, okay, what do I need to get from the session? So if I need to get some change of directions, how can I make that as a competition? Even for max speed, I, I notice that they're sometimes they're not hitting the above 90%. And that's because fair to them is because they were really paying attention to the, the movement, the, the movement mechanics that we've been training which is great for me. It was like, okay, it's not like they're they're slower, but they're really spending more time paying attention. You can really see on videos. Um, so what I do is I progress them through those those progressions and those drills for max speed, and then at the end, the last one, I do a competition. And sometimes they start on their back. Sometimes they, you know, just to get them um, to have fun with it. And it's just not run, just running. For Ryan's sake, break up the monotony exactly. They don't like that, so I try to be really creative. Um, it's definitely as soon as they're uh, they're getting better with specific movement or specific comp- like competencies, then I try to um, do more complex stuff in, in the warm up, and that means adding chaos to it. For me, it's just like, okay, can you do that? in the simple way of just progressions. And then once you're comfortable with that, then now I'm going to add chaos and I want to see how you really react to it. And those are the really good and fun videos to, to pay attention to when we get them to do uh, a drill that you add chaos that they have to react to it. And then you do a slow motion and you see that their movement is amazing, even in chaos environments. And that's what you want. You want that them in the game, you want them to really control their bodies um, to do what they need to do in a safe way. So that's kind of my train of thought when I'm doing those things. And just people um, working outside of professional sport, um, how does what does this chaos look like and what are some examples of uh, things that you implement to achieve this? Um, it's uh, it's literally, it, 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 for me, the way I see it is like, okay, what are you trying to get from from the session or from whatever you want, you're doing. If you're working with youth or you're working with them in the gym, it's like, okay, if you're trying to get them to, um, I don't know, run faster, whatever. So you take a slow motion video just to, so, so they can see how they're, they're doing. Um, and then you start doing whatever progressions you want. And then that, that, that can be for me, I start isolating them on the wall. So like they, I put them on the wall to do wall drills. So they really understand how their posture should be. Once they understand that, then I go and, and add the bungee. I'm like, okay, add some movement, see how you're doing, and then add the speed. So can you do that? The same thing, but adding some speed to it. So instead of you doing marches, you're going to do some skips. After you do some skips, you're going to do more of like a sprint in place to sprint with the bungees, but I want you to fo- keep focusing on, focusing on that mechanics. And then once they do a good job with that, then how can you make it fun? Because, I mean, it, it doesn't matter if you're in professional world, if you're in with the kids world or the gym world, everybody loves competition and everybody loves kind of different 
things and not get boring with the same exercise. So literally how you, the chaos can be adding, I don't know, a reaction to, to the drill. So I always like the math equations or I like to add the different cones and just mess with their minds. It's like, okay, I'm going to say the color, but you cannot, you cannot really react to the color. You need to react to the, the number that's associated with the color. So things like that, that's going to really challenge them cognitively and, and make, make a little bit more interesting for them. So it's layering up that complexity and the, the competitive side of it as well. Exactly. The competitive side for me is the biggest thing. I feel like with everybody, everybody loves some competition. So. You've mentioned um, you get the athletes barefoot a lot and you look at big toe mobility. Is there any other um, you know, qualities, as you've called it, that you're looking at around their body? Yeah, so big toe mobility is a big one. And I think um, foot stability. I think that's, that's huge that I've been really following the work of Laura Landau, and who's an amazing performance coach here in the, the States. Um, and he talks a lot about you know, how pronation, supination, you need those to, you know, absorb forces and create forces, but it's the, it's the axis of, of pronation, excess of supination that, that can, you know, hinder you. So a lot of the times I see knee valgus on an athlete, but a lot of the times us as coaches, we, we just focus on the knee and then we don't see the foot. And sometimes they're your foot. You know, it's is a problem. You know, uh, maybe they have excess pronation, and that creates that knee valgus. So, um, a lot of the times, I I just use a lot of in our gym uh, sessions. I do at least one barefoot single leg stability drill, and that can be anything single leg. So we start doing the single leg RDL. Um, mobility, hip mobility. So you pretty much hold a, a med ball, you go do a single leg, and then once you're up, you just go around the bench. So you do like a circle with your hips through the bench. Um, and I tell them, like, look at your feet right now. Like, look how much it's working and it's getting that stability. So a lot of the times, um, our players come with those, to the gym with those, those, uh, shoes with high heels and like okay let's do single leg stuff barefoot so you can really feel your feet working um so i do a lot of that single leg stability uh, barefoot big toe mobility for me it's a big big one um a lot of breathing so breathing has been one of the things that i've been doing a lot with them because they just they just don't breathe enough and they you know even when I did the first session with them, they're like, "Oh my gosh, what are we doing?" And just shutting yourself, your body up a little bit, you know. Um, they're not used to it. And once I start doing it in our recovery days, they loved it because they, is the I taught them some three D breathing to be able to really expand and, and and get air through in and out and just relax for a little because you know, especially in the professional world, there's so much pressure. Um, so you need to be able to, you know, relax a little bit. So breathing is something that it's been big, um, that I've been doing too. Uh, my mentor, Kelly Starrett, one of my mentors, he, he's really big on that too. 
Um, and I did some courses with them in the past, and that's something that I really enjoyed uh, doing it because it worked for me uh, as an athlete. So, um, so for sure, breathing is another thing that I, we've been doing a lot with them. Just is, is it something that you formally try and assess in the athletes, or is it more of a kind of regenerative tool that you're using it for? For, uh, for now, it's more of a regeneration tool. Um, I've been, I've been, that's something my, in the, the projects that I've been trying to put some, some stuff together in terms of creating a more football specific, soccer specific um, efficiency test, kind of like the FMS, but kind of really specific to the things that I've been seeing more like big tone mobility, how to create a, a test that can assess those those big things and actually create a list of correctives that go with that and make sure that it's objective and measurable. Um, so that's one of the things that I've been, uh, it's one of my projects for the next year to kind of put that together and, and uh, make sure we have a efficiency test to kind of see where they are and look for things for exercise, they can get them to the place that they're, they're going to feel a little bit better in terms of movement. And where can people um, receive updates from you, follow you? Where can people kind of track your progress and your career? Yeah, so I try to be really active on, on Twitter and Instagram. So I posted a lot of the stuff that I do. Um, so if you just put Evie Casagrande, I-V-I Casagrande uh, on Twitter and Instagram, um, or through email, I can give you my email, whoever wants to, to uh, reach out for any specific, uh, I don't know, work that I've been doing. Uh, they can reach out there. I just, I love talking to other coaches and learning from other coaches and, and you know, helping out. We can put that, we can, um, we can put those links in the show notes as well, which will be on the website. Awesome. And is, is there any kind of resources that you'd recommend uh, to listeners? This could be books, courses, websites, um, absolutely anything. Um, yeah, there's so many. Well, the if you're looking, and I'm gonna use my mentors because that that's how I, I I built my own philosophy. So Ben Ashworth, a big mentor of mine, a friend, so amazing at shoulder stuff. That's the the number one guy that I I look for um, shoulder stuff. Um, so Ben Ashworth has a great Instagram, athletic shoulder, I believe. So um Kelly Starrett, uh another another mentor that really helped me to 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 be the coach I am today and the coach that I'm striving to be. Um all his stuff, how to become a supple leopard, his mobility wad. I try to get that mobility wad every day because it's it's amazing. I use it a lot with my athletes. Um yeah, and then well, there's so many. There's so many resources, but those two are the the big ones that that I really I use it almost every day. <laughs> no, that's great. Well, Evie, thank you so much for giving up your time, um, especially amongst a busy schedule, and um, really appreciate insights you've given us. And uh, we really look forward to hearing your your news and involvement at Orlando Pride. Awesome. Thank you so much, Andy.